really nice to be here, you guys. Thanks so much for having me. Um, yeah, uh, Michael kind of stole my intro. I was going to explain who I was, but he already did. So, um, but I am kind of, I consider myself a friend of the family of uh, Valley. I remember um, just the early stages of the church plant and how excited I was. Um, and yeah, Michael and I did youth ministry together for a number of years. I grew up with him. Um, and yeah, to this day, he's, I mean, my best friend, um, which is really cool because uh, he's somebody in my life, that verse in Proverbs that talks about iron sharpening iron. Um, I really see that in Michael and in, in my relationship. We try to, we try to meet at least, um, at least once a month to kind of just keep each other accountable, keep each other uh, in the know about our lives, our families and whatnot. And it is life-giving. So I am very, very thankful uh, to be here. Um, However, I will also say that when Michael said the good times and the bad times, he wasn't kidding because there have been struggles, um, not necessarily in our own lives, but seeing the world around us is something that I've brought up to Michael a lot. Um, hurts that I've seen, people that have fallen away, people that, um, uh, and just trying to reconcile that in my heart. And that's what I want to talk about tonight is something that's really near and dear to my heart right now. And something that God is, is kind of, I don't know, walking, walking through with me. And so what I invite you guys tonight in is I invite you to struggle with this with me because I believe that as soon as I start saying what I'm about to say, uh, that's what's called a tease. Um, uh, I promise I will say it. Um, but once I say it, you'll start to kind of see where I'm going with this. Um, I have many loved ones in my life uh, that are abandoning their faith, um, that are completely just, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm done. I'm, I'm not going to associate with Jesus anymore. Um, it's too much. Um, for one reason or another, I have seen so many people walk away. Friends I had grown up with um, are now slandering the church on social media. Um, I've blocked them. Uh, and you, you can laugh, but um, <laughs> because it is, it is tragic. It is very sad. Um, but I also have family members um, that... <clears throat> blame their Christian upbringing for the struggles that they're going through today and rather than uh, the sin that led to that. A pastor I had growing up had a secret affair that led to a divorce and abandoning his own faith, and now he openly mocks the Christian faith. And as a pastor and as a follower of Jesus, I try and observe the world that we live in because I know it's broken. I know it's not the way God intended it to be, but it's still heartbreaking, isn't it? How many of you are broken by this broken world that we live in? Are you with me? And so what, <clears throat> what Michael and I used to do in, in ministry is when we, we would ask the question, okay, like why, are people, why aren't people coming to, 
to, to youth group or whatever, we would be like, okay, well, we need to like change the carpets or we need to like, <laughs> we need to change the paint on the walls. It's not cool enough. If, if everything was like just cool enough, then we could get more students in and, you know, maybe we'll turn the music up a little bit. And um, it, you laugh, but it was, it was kind of, it was kind of true. And um, we look back on that stage of ministry, and while it was a blast, we see just how off we were. Um, and uh, so, so the question I'm asking tonight is, is why is this happening? Seriously, like why, why do we see so many really just giving up, just getting to the point where it's too much? Um, and I think the answer kind of lies in Jesus' call to discipleship. Um, that's at least what I've been learning and what I've been struggling with. So like I said before, I invite you to struggle with this with me. Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray real quick and we'll dive into the text. Um, God, Thank you so much for Valley Church. Thank you for this community, Lord, that loves you, that wants to follow you with everything that they have. Um, God, as we grieve over um, brothers and sisters that have walked away, um, Lord, may we look at our own hearts and our own, our own shortcomings, Lord, um, and learn from uh, your, your teachings. So we love you, God. We give you all the praise in your name. Amen. All right. So what we're going to do is we're going to turn to Luke chapter 9, um, starting in verse 18. Um, it might say above, it might say Peter declares that Jesus is Messiah or something like that. Um, but yeah, uh, starting in verse 18. Uh, and we're just going to read it all the way through, and then we're going to kind of break down um, uh, this story about Jesus, but particularly, particularly Jesus' words. Um, all right. <clears throat> all right. Verse 18. So once when Jesus was praying in private and his disciples were with him, he asked them, who do you say I am? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others that one of the prophets of long ago has come back to life. But what about you, he asked, who do you say I am? Peter answered, God's Messiah. Some of your translations might say God's anointed. Um, it means the same thing. Uh, so verse 21, Jesus strictly warned them not to tell this to anyone. And he said, the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and he must be killed on, and on the third day be raised to life. Then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves take up their cross daily and follow me for whoever wants to lose or i'm sorry for whoever wants to save their life will lose it but whoever loses their life for me will save it what good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self whoever is ashamed of me and my words the son of man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the father and of the holy angels 
Truly I tell you, those who are standing here will not taste death before they see the kingdom of God. All right. So a couple things that I want to highlight really quick. Um, that went from a simple conversation to pretty intense language, and that's kind of how Jesus does things, which is why I think he's so awesome. Uh, but in 18 and 20, you notice that it begins with just a simple conversation. Jesus is asking them, his disciples, looks like Jesus was doing one of his um, probably daily um, private prayers in solitude. Um, but coming out of that, he asks, who do the crowds say that I am? And then we get some theories from the crowds, and then he asks a little bit more uh, specifically um, what they think, though. <clears throat> and notice how it shifts um, when Peter answers God's Messiah. So, but what about you, he asked, Jesus asked, what, who do you say I am? Peter answered, God's Messiah. And then he immediately shifts. He says, Jesus strictly warned them not to tell this to anyone. You see that there, right? Okay, so it shifts to a teaching about the nature of being a disciple. And that's where um, we're gonna delve into is the nature of being a disciple. Now, with God's, with uh, Jesus being God's Messiah, we all believe that that's true here. Yet, in Jesus' mind, um, that, or, or I'm sorry, in the disciples' mind, they saw that as a very glorified uh, position for, for Jesus. And so you'll see often they'll, they'll try and be near Jesus when he's anointed or when he's uh, or asked to sit at his right hand. That's what those passages mean. It's that they want to be elevated as well. Um, but Jesus quickly corrects them and doesn't say, no, I'm not the Messiah, but says this. He said, the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law. And he must be killed on the third day and on the third day be raised to life. So being the Messiah, Jesus saw that he had to suffer many things and be rejected. Jesus is careful to remind his disciples that being his disciples is not one of power, but of self-denial. In verse 23, he says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. Now, growing up, I've, I thought this taking up um, the cross would mean something that is burdensome. Following Jesus would be burdensome. However, I don't think it's talking about that. Not that taking up your cross wouldn't be a horrific thing to do, but it's really about the destination. Where does it lead? When taking up your cross, where does it lead? It leads to your death to die to yourself. 
Is Jesus the Messiah? Yes, but Jesus is on a mission, and it's the same mission he calls his followers to. That is self-denial. So, I want to get a little bit nerdy here. Um, I dropped out of Greek because it was too hard, so I had to look this up. <laughs> uh, but the disciple meaning, uh, the word mathetes in, in Greek, um, uh, is usually gets translated disciple or learner. Uh, and it's used of a person who follows after and seeks to learn from another, okay? The term mathetes occurs very frequently in the New Testament. Its fundamental meaning is one who seeks to learn from another. A disciple is not only a partaker of information, but also one who seeks to become like his or her teacher. The active forms of this verb mean to make a disciple, uh, when Jesus gives his disciples the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 19, he commands them to make disciples, matheteu, of all nations. But Jesus clarifies this command by instructing them to baptize these converts in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, as well as teach them to do all he commanded. Again, the individual who becomes a disciple must alter his behavior as well as his mind. Okay, so maybe you see where I'm going with this. But what it takes to be a Jesus follower is, is not really easy. Um, and the disciples thought that this way was one that led to glory. Um, but that way, in Jesus' mind, needed to die. And taking up their cross... While it would lead to death, Jesus says, one who would, um, sorry, whoever loses their life for me will save it. And so the true way of Jesus, following Jesus, um, is a bit more complicated than just asking Jesus into your heart and then piecing out. Because honestly, you guys, a lot of people are piecing out of the Christian faith. It's happening all over the place. And I'm not saying that to, to make us you know, anxious or anything, but it is a real thing that's happening and it's heartbreaking, isn't it? I know I'm not the only one. I see, I see you guys, I see the pain because you guys have people in your minds that you know that have walked away from the faith. So why is this happening? Well, um, I'm reading a very, very eerie book that I had never read before. Uh, it's by C.S. Lewis. It's called The Screwtape Letters. How many of you are familiar with The Screwtape Letters? It's literally two demons writing letters to each other. It's a satire. It's beautifully written, and it's very theologically dense. And this one uh, higher demon is speaking to a low, lower demon on how to uh, deceive deceive. Um, and so he refers to God as the enemy. And I was reading this passage <clears throat> uh, uh, in the Screwtape Letters, and I'm just like, I, I gotta, this is something that I've been meditating on a lot. So uh, this is the, the higher demon speaking to the lower. Work hard then 
on the disappointment or anticlimax, which is certainly coming to the patient during his first few weeks as a churchman. The enemy allows this disappointment to occur on the threshold of every human endeavor. It occurs when the boy who has been enchanted in the nursery by stories from the Odyssey buckles down to really learning Greek. It occurs when lovers have gotten married and begin the real task of learning to live together. In every department of life, it marks the transition from dreaming aspirations uh, to laborious doing. The enemy takes this risk because he has a curious fantasy of making all these disgusting little human vermin into what he calls free sons. There is a point in your life when you met Jesus and it is amazing and it's awesome and you just say, God is my everything. But then there comes a point where the quote unquote honeymoon phase is over and then you say, man, I've got real sin in my life and I need to put that to death. And sometimes Jesus will ask you something that you don't necessarily want to do, right? Jesus is my everything. He saves me from my sins. He's super rad, but he has nothing to say to me about my money. Or Jesus, I love him, but my, the true parts of me is, is my own identity. That's what's really true about me. Jesus can tell me to do some things, but other things I'm going to leave out. One of the things that I think that we can share with this text as people reading it 2,000 years later is one specific word in verse 23. It says, whoever, whoever wants to be my disciple. The author Luke could have easily left that part out, but it's every reader, every would-be follower of Jesus is called, if they want to be a learner, a disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. Generations of followers of Jesus have had to come face to face with these words. And when questioned, Peter denied Jesus. And the same thing is happening today. When pressed, people are falling away. And I think <clears throat> a lot of it just comes down to, um, well, I've got five things that I've seen um, that people are struggling to deny. One is um, people are just making excuses. The Bible's too hard. I can't do it. I can't do it anymore. Reading the Bible is not easy. It's much easier to limit the Bible to rules and fairy tales. But this is a quote from Josh Porter who wrote Death to Deconstruction. He says, the Bible's ideal reader refuses to become soft-minded and unthinking just as they refuse to become cynical and suspicious. It's hard for us to release the death grip on our felt need for control. 
fast answers and confirmation bias in reading the Bible requires that we part with all three of them. So while it's tragic to see people following, falling away, you guys get it though too, don't you? Following Jesus requires everything. The answer is denying yourself, is recognizing that there is, that you are prone to wander, as the hymn says. Recognizing that, and what I encourage all of us here this evening is to rebel against that feeling. Rebel against the urge to change Jesus into something that's easier to follow. To change his teachings so that you can stay bitter at somebody. Change his teachings so that you can live the way that you want to. My call tonight, Valley Church, is not to just grieve those that have fallen away, but to rebel against the thought of you falling away. At what point does it become too hard? A few things that I want to, to close with, um, things that have been really, really helpful for me. Um, because yes, as a pastor, I struggle with this too. I struggle with asking the questions, does anything really matter? Is this all worth it? What am I doing with my life? And the answer that I've come to is, I have to practice. I have to practice the way of Jesus. I have to say no to excuses. I have to get up. I have to get away. I have to open the scriptures and I have to actually be with Jesus. So you'll see them running around and if my kid pushes your kid, I'm really sorry. He's at this stage that well, he's four. Um, anyway, so um, I, have, I have kids, and it is, it is very, very difficult to uh, get any time alone uh, because they are always, those of you who are laughing have kids, uh, and it's, it's, just, it's just a thing. So I have a four-year-old. His name is Oliver. I have a one-year-old. Her name is Claire. She's way cuter than he is, um, and <laughs> much more pleasant, too. Anyway, uh, they get up at un godly hours. For some reason, for some reason, our kids are just very into getting up at like five, maybe six, if they're nice. Um, so in order for me to spend time with Jesus, I have to die to at least a half hour of sleep. I have to get up just a little bit earlier. And I'm not saying this is for everybody, but you have to make time in your life to be in the presence of Jesus. I know this is a huge, profound thing that I'm telling you. Read your Bible and pray. Um, however, I'm telling you, it is life-changing. For the past three weeks, 
I have been practicing this. I've been getting up at 5.30 every morning. Um, I have been getting away from my kids, which is wonderful. Um, but also being able to um, spend time with the Lord. How many of your minds wander? How, how many of you find it hard to focus when you pray? Um, two things that I know you do. My, my students in the back still have their hands up, so uh, I know you do. Um, I would say to every excuse that comes up that would seek to tarnish your time alone with Jesus, talk back to it. For me, I struggle to pray. I have ADHD, just like any kid born in the 90s. Um, and uh, it is very difficult. And I would say praying out loud helps. But what, have I, what I have started to do, because I am very committed to, to praying to our God, is I've started writing my prayers down. It's the only way that I can focus. And I'm saying this as just practical this is what I've learned. Again, I'm inviting you to struggle with this with me, right? We're all in the same boat as far as um, trying to follow Jesus. And I want to say this too. We, uh, we also live in a world that tells us the exact opposite. Can we be real about that? A world that says, well, a world that says, um, follow your heart and be true to yourself. That doesn't sound like dying to yourself, right? But that is what our world says. Do you guys remember uh, Marilyn Manson? Yeah, sweet. Okay, cool. This is, a, this is a quote from him. I'm sure, what did you learn at church today? Uh, and he says this, he says, to me, Satanism was never about worshiping the devil. It's about man being his own God on earth. You do not worship anything except yourself. Follow your heart, be true to yourself. That is a very satanic message. And it's what we all are bent towards. Friends, let us rebel against those thoughts. Let us run to Jesus. Let us carry our cross his way, a way of self-denial. His way led to the cross. But death was not the end of our Savior's story. And he promises that same resurrection. All right. I'm going to pray for us as the band comes up. Uh, all right. Oh, Lord God, we just, we just come to you now. Um, we pray for those that we have seen walk away. Um, and God, while we grieve, Lord, may, us, may we be aware um, that our own hearts are prone. And so, Lord, give us the strength. Give us the, the determination, Lord, to be with you, be with 
you in your presence. Practice your ways, Lord. Thank you for this night. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your cross. And thank you for your victory over death. We love you, Lord. Amen.